We've been talking about who is the mole. A mole is something that is underneath the surface that is destroying your field. Maybe on the outside it looks like nice grass, but ultimately that mole is going to burrow in and is going to destroy the field that God has prepared for your life to flourish. Okay? Matthew chapter 13, if you have a Bible, great. If not, there should be one in the, in the, in the uh, chair in front of you. This guy, this guy had a pet store, okay? And he had four kinds of pets in it. He had rabbits, and they, they were kind of there to be fluffy and cute. They didn't really produce anything uh, except little M&Ms, right? And they, but they were cute, and that's all they were supposed to do. And then he had cats, and their job was to be arrogant and self-centered, which all cats are. And uh, they were there to stand aloof until you, they wanted to be petted or uh, eat. And then he had these snakes, these vicious snakes. And what the snakes would do is anytime you got near the cage, anytime you put anything in there, they, the snake would attach. They were vicious snakes. And then he had dogs. Now the dogs, that's what we're talking about. Man's best friend. These dogs were awesome. They obeyed every command. They did everything you told them to do. And they led the blind. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, imagine how long I'd be pastor of this church if that was my sermon. Okay? Some of you are like, dude, you mean we can go eat now? Yes, exactly. Other people are like, wow, that was fantastic. I think he wants us to think about those animals for this week. And am I a bunny rabbit or am I a cat or am I a snake? Oh, that's it. That's it. And you talk about it. And what, what is it? Yeah, maybe it isn't me, my ear. Maybe it's this thing, right? And so, he, you know, maybe that's what he wants. Maybe some of you are like, what an idiot. That was the worst sermon I ever heard. I'm going to another church, right? This is what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 13. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, he starts telling stories. Now, we've been watching Jesus for 13 chapters, He's been healing the sick. He's been uh, healing the blind. He's been healing the leper. He's been casting out demons. He healed a paralyzed guy. He's been doing all this stuff. And he's been teaching in their houses and in their synagogues. And he's been going over all this stuff. And all of a sudden, he tells a story. And he goes, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. There you go. Try that one out for size. Now, what's happened? We've seen for 13 chapters... It's all boiled down to now the Pharisees go, show us a sign. Remember last week we talked about uh, a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign. And we talked about, you know, are we that way? Do we, uh, does, we know the Lord wants us to do something, but we won't do it until everything's right. And, and for those of you who are visiting, for months we've been talking about these two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. And the kingdom of earth are those things that we just naturally are involved with. They're just, it's a natural realm. And there's the kingdom of heaven. Those are the unseen things, the spiritual things. 
And so uh, what we've been talking about is how do we get our life on this kingdom to match what God wants on this kingdom. The way Jesus described that was, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the connection. So Jesus tells a parable. And what a parable is, is it means to throw alongside. So you've got essentially a story like the pet store that's all down here. And everybody goes, oh, okay. So they had rabbits, cats, snakes, and, and uh, dogs. Great. To throw that alongside of some, something spiritual. The snake represents Satan or something. I don't know. I, I didn't really go on with the pet store analogy for very, very long. But that's what it means. And so essentially what Jesus is beginning to do now is he's putting these two kingdoms alongside. And he's saying, he's, he, he uses a word, I want you to understand. Now that's not just, that there's, if, you, if, you did, if you had Bible software and you just said understand, there'd be a whole bunch of verses that have the word understand. But this understand means to put together. You're essentially putting together, oh, this kingdom. And that's what that means. That's what he's doing. So what happens is, and we're going to go, it's it's, uh, Matthew 1 through 23, and we're going to kind of go through it weird. But I'm going to tell you kind of what happens, and then we're going to go to the actual parable itself. So, so Jesus has got lots of crowds now and he's outside and we're going to start to see a shift in the way Jesus teaches. He's going to be teaching more in parables. Anytime he enters a, a synagogue or a temple, he's going to be upset. Whereas before he was teaching in there and he's, and he's kind of staying out of the homes. He's out and about kind of teaching in parables now. Okay. So here's what happens in Matthew chapter 13, verse 11. The disciples say, why are you teaching in parables? Right. This parable comes up and they're like, there's all these people out here. Imagine if you guys came, you all came and and the board was here and they're like, wow, things are really going great. And I gave that lame message and I walk out the door and then at the next board meeting, what in the world are you doing? Why did you do that? And here's Jesus's answer. He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Uh, whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he uh, has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. They're like, oh, that's why you do it. Right. And then he goes on and he quotes some scripture out of Isaiah. Where I, in, a, in a section of scripture where Isaiah is not too happy. It's not a great time for Israel right now. And he says, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. Go ahead. If you have, if it's your Bible, not the one you grabbed out of the thing in front of you, underline that word understanding. Don't go marking up our Bibles. Okay. Don't do that. Um, however, if you don't have a Bible, we have one for you at the uh, information table. So just come and get one. But it says, you'll be ever understanding and uh, be ever seen, but never perceiving. For this people's heart, underline that word heart has become calloused or hard. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their ears, hear with, uh, see with their eyes, hear with their ears and understand with their hearts. You can go ahead and underline that again and turn and I would heal them. And then Jesus gives this incredibly encouraging word to anyone who knows him. Okay, so if you know the Lord, this is for you. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it 
and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Have we, we talked about this last week a little bit, have we grown accustomed to all of this? To opening our Bible and just looking and going, oh yeah, I got that, right, I know, I should, I should hold my tongue a little more. Jesus is saying right now, look, if you, if you got it, you're going to be given an abundance. That's your potential. Your potential is to have an abundance. If you don't get it, don't even keep trying. Try all you want. But until the Holy Spirit has tilled your heart, you're done. You know, I, I love hearing. This is one of the reasons why I liked having Tim up here. I love hearing about people who come to Christ and then start doing it. Right? He's living a lifestyle that does not represent anything having to do with the kingdom of God. God changes his life and then there's fruit. More fruit than we're probably going to do this year, right? Look at this. Here's some soil there. The Holy Spirit is plowing the heart of every single human being. Everybody here, I don't care how young you are, I don't care how old you are, everybody here in my voice, this message applies to you. It applied to me this week while I was doing it. The Holy Spirit right now, and this is why I asked you when you were listening to Tim to try and listen, is plowing your heart. It's saying, oh man, you know what? Nothing's going to grow here. And to the extent that we allow him to do that is going to be the extent that we grow. That we apply the things of the scriptures. That our life has more patience and more love and more joy. But every single person does that. Now we get to this word understands. I just have a quick idea here. It says, as it is written, there's no one righteous, not even one. In other words, (laughs) none of us. I don't care how good you thought you were living. None of us deserve to have a relationship with God. There's none who understands. There's no one who makes that connection between the spiritual and, and the carnal until the Holy Spirit has plowed your heart. You've allowed him to do it. And then you go, oh, I get it. And then you have a choice. Do I accept him or do I reject him? Okay. In Ephesians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Make that connection. Take what the the, the kingdom of God is saying. Look at your own life and go, oh, this is how I have to live, right? Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do not be foolish, but understand. Make the connection. Put together those things. In Matthew chapter 16, there's a great story. You guys should read it. Jesus feeds the 5,000. And they're getting into the boat to take off. And Jesus says to the disciples, hey, um, watch out for the Pharisees. Beware of the, of the yeast of the Pharisees because it's going to get in there and it's going to infect the whole bread. And one of the disciples is like, dude, he's coming down on us because we didn't bring bread. What? I thought you had the bread. Oh, I thought you had the bread. Now look, Jesus is speaking in this kingdom and they're talking about this kingdom. And Jesus goes, you guys are idiots. <clears throat> kind of. Uh, he says, when I fed the 5,000, did, did we need bread then? I mean, down here, do I, does this, has this kingdom ever affected me ever? And they're like, no, not really. He said, I'm talking about the Pharisees' teaching. Beware the yeast. If that teaching gets in there, it's going to mess things up. And we can see in Galatians that that actually happened. Okay. 
And it says, and then they understood he was talking about the teachings of the Pharisees. They put it together. They got it. He's, oh, oh, okay. So we don't need bread. And Jesus was probably like, no, bink, you know, and they're bing, there we go. Oh, yay. Now, I don't know. I didn't, they didn't put that part in there. All right. So we're looking at our own life and, and, and the Holy Spirit's t- uh, um, turning the soil of our lives is attempting to break us up to get us healthy so that things can grow. And so Jesus tells a parable or a coming alongside of two things about soil. And this is going to apply to everybody. He gives four types of soil. And you might see in some areas of your life, you're one type of soil. And in some areas, you're another or you're all one type. But let's go over them. The first is the path. The path. If you look there, there's a path. It's kind of hard. I don't know if you if you want to dim the the uh, stage lights. That would be cool. You guys can still see me. You're like, it's actually even better now. <laughs> cool. So this path runs along and, uh, and, and there's, there's stuff growing on either side of the path. But that's where people walk or carts go or horses or cars or motorcycles or whatever. They, they go through this path. And he, he tells the people, he tells them this. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering his seed, some fell along the path and the birds came up and ate it. That's what happened here. There's no way they planted it perfectly right along the side. You know, they just scattered the seed and in the path, it doesn't grow at all. What he told the disciples was this. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, that's the seed. Now, I want to stop right here so you understand. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've never made that decision. This is talking about salvation for you. This is the kingdom. The kingdom message for you. The only kingdom message for you is what are you going to do with your sin? Okay. If you've made that decision, the kingdom message is how then does that apply? I've made this decision to follow Christ. How does it work out? How do I work out my salvation with fear and trembling? So he says, anyone who hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, doesn't make that connection. The evil one comes and snatches away what has sown where in his heart. You can underline that in your Bibles if you want. This is the seed along the path. In Luke, it gives a little more imagery and says the seeds first trampled by men. Now, what does that look like in our own lives? This is when you hear something, but you're letting other people or the enemy influence how you respond to that. And what's sad about the path, we know, I know some people whose lives is that path. The sad thing about the path is there's fruit on either side. They're surrounded by fruit. You know anyone in your, in your family that, that, man, it's like they won't come to Christ and yet things are happening all over. It's like, what? Can't you see what? They're depressed. They're all this stuff. Can't you see what a life in Christ is? And yet it's just hard. And maybe it's because when it's trampled by men, it was something in their past. Maybe for you, there's a section of your life that is just hard as a rock because of what somebody did to you. Maybe a bitter divorce meant, you know what? It's hard for you to accept God's love. Maybe what your parents did to you when you were younger makes it hard. When you hear God as a father, it's like, man, I cannot accept that. Well, the enemy is just waiting for that and goes, oh, cool. You were trampled on men. I'll take full advantage of that. That's the path. Growth on every side, and yet there's still a hardness of heart. Second thing he says is rocks. Seed that's sown on the rocks. Sorry, sometimes my brain goes 
way farther than it should, and I have to reel it back in. Okay, here's what he tells the people. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, and when the sun came, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. That's what he told the people. Here's what he told the disciples. The one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, now now look at the shift here. The soil has all been the heart. But now once the word gets implanted in there, there's some growth and that becomes the evidence. It's no longer soil. When he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. I know some people like that. I know some areas in my own life that are like that. We see it a lot. If we, you know, January is a perfect time to see which part of your heart is rocky soil, right? I'm going to lose 20 pounds, you know? So we go, we're excited, we receive it with joy. It's not the word of God, but it's my analogy. You know where I'm going with this. We receive it with joy. Yes, we see something on television. I'm going to do that. We go to the gym, we're on the Stairmaster, and we're going as fast as we can, sweating. Oh, you know what? I don't know why I didn't do this. I'm going to do this forever. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the next whatever. Fit person. <laughs> okay. Right? And so you're sweating, you come home and <clears throat> honey, how was your work? It was fantastic, you know, and you take a shower and you feel good. And the next day you're like, oh man. And you know, it's always the sec. It's not the next day. It's the day after that you get out of bed and you're like, Hey, how's it going? You know, I'm just going to go to the gym, you know? And, and so you go to the gym and you're like working out and then it's like, oh man, and then, then, then. That's a rocky heart. We do it in, in scripture. We've, that's it. That's it. This is the last. I'm never going to gossip again. I'm never going to gossip again. You're telling people, I'm not going to gossip anymore. Oh, praise God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to gossip because if I am, I'm just like Judy. <laughs> ah, forget it. The whole thing's blown and there you go again, right? Because it was shallow, shallow. Sorry, Judy. I was, didn't mean to just kind of do that. Right? It says in Ephesians 3.17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Now, the only way to have something grow in rocky soil, the only way is to get rid of the rocks. There are things in our lives, there's sections of our lives, sections of ground. You, I might look at your whole plot of land and you go, look at this, I can grow anything. Except there's going to be a corner or some other place where, oh, well, it doesn't matter. There's all this stuff. I don't need to worry about that. The Lord wants every rock removed. That's the, that's the, the rocky soil. The third is the thorns. I, I said weeds just because I didn't have a picture of thorns choking anything out. But these weeds are in the center here are growing up along with whatever that thing is. Uh, probably should have found out what that was. The, but the thing in the, what is it? It's corn. Did somebody say maize? That's, no, I know, but that was pretty cool. It's like, everyone's like, it's corn. They're like, it's maize. Where did that come from? I, that's bizarre. Okay, so it, it's corn, whatever it is, it's supposed to be growing. And all that stuff in the middle are the weeds, and it's not, it's not supposed to be growing. Now, listen what Jesus says to the people. 
He says, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. That's it. That's what he gives them. Here's what he says to his disciples. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. If you want to underline Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, and write American church right next to it, that's where I feel we are. We've grown comfortable. And even though there's growth in our lives, all the anxieties and worries of the system that we've bought into choke out what? Not our life. We're still alive. We're still living. It's our, we become unfruitful. You see what I'm saying? Look as the Holy Spirit reveals that to your life. Is there anything in your life? Number one, where there's a path. You've been injured. You've been trampled on by men. And every time the word of God comes and the Holy Spirit wants to till that, the enemy steals it away. Is there a part that's just rocky? Things that they just have to be removed until the soil can then, something can take root. Or is there something that just keeps giving you the anxiety where the kingdom of God can no longer flourish in your life. There's some growth, but it's not being fruitful. We saw in Matthew 6, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Don't worry about those other things. And all these things will be added unto you. There'll be a harvest of things that will be added unto you. See that? The worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Those are the thorns uh, and the weeds. Then he gets to the fourth soil. This is the dog soil, if you're going with my pet store analogy. This is the good soil. Doesn't that look like good soil? Oh, it's not good. We got to get a new projector. Okay. Uh, For those of you who want to donate to our projector fund. uh, No, I'm kidding around. Here's what he tells the people. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. In Palestine at that time, tenfold would be a killer crop. Okay. So Jesus is talking in terms 160, 30. That is just, you got to be kidding me. That is killer. Okay, here's what he tells the disciples. But the seed, but the one who received the seed that fell on the good soil is the man who hears the word. He makes the connection. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. When you connect the kingdom of God with your life, it produces fruit. The act of understanding and applying that is preparing good soil. The soil is the heart. So when I share a message on Sunday morning, the Holy Spirit is tilling away at you. And you have a choice. Now, part of it has to do with if I'm, if I'm unclear, then I'm unclear. Okay, but let's not talk about me on, about this. This is about, you know, I'm kidding. Right. So the Holy Spirit's tilling away. When you open your Bible, the Holy Spirit's tilling away. And will we allow him to really get into that soil and make those changes? He goes on. He says, um, uh, but the one who received the seed that fell on the good soil. Now, what's the seed? Let's look at some seeds here. Everything you need to grow something, all the potential of everything is locked inside that seed. Once it gets water and it busts open, right? And the soil gets the nutrients from the soil, but it's whole DNA. When you put that seed, a motorcycle is not going to grow out of the ground. I promise you. When you plant that seed... 
right? A house isn't going to come out. A, a orange tree isn't going to come out, okay? I don't think those are orange seeds. I didn't do much seed research while I was doing this, but I know enough about seeds to know what you plant is what you get, okay? And you can... So I want to take one quick shift to Second Peter 1, 3 through 8. And in your small group questions, you're going to spend a lot more time on this. I just want to touch on it. And you can... Those small group questions don't just have to be done in your small group. They're on the back of your outline. You can do those as family devotions as well. Okay, so 2 Peter uh, 1.3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. His divine power has given us a seed. In that seed, the knowledge of Christ through his word is everything we need to bear fruit. Everything. We've got it. You've got your life. Your ground right now in your life is covered with seeds. Covered with seeds. If I never preached another thing out of the Bible, you've got enough already. Trust me. Right now we do this because the word of God has us meditate on has us because because the God knows we're stupid. Right. So but my point is, if you picked 10 verses out of the Bible and you really went at them you'd see unbelievable change in your life because that process would not be changing the seed. It would be preparing the soil. You see that? So we've got everything uh, we need for life and godliness. Now watch this. Verse five. Pay attention. Don't miss me here. For this reason, make every effort to prepare the soil of your life. You have got so much potential, essentially. And I'm not trying to be like... um, Who's a guy? I'm not trying to be like one of those motivational speakers, right? Godly potential, right? Not to make tons of money or whatever, but to live a life of joy and fruitfulness and peace and mercy and that forgiveness. You've got all that. So we make every effort. Now watch what he does. These are all the ways we're going to be tilling our soil to add to your faith. Uh, goodness and to goodness, knowledge and to knowledge, self-control and to self-control, perseverance and to perseverance, godliness and to godliness, brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness, love. These are the things we're working on. This is the parts of our life we want to till. The Holy Spirit's going to do the work. We have to allow it to be done. Okay. So the first part is really the seed. The second part is the soil. Work this soil out. And then the last part is the fruit. You thought I was going to start with S, didn't you? But it's not because I didn't do that. For if you possess these qualities. Okay, if you've prepared this soil in increasing measure, watch what will happen. They will keep you from becoming ineffective like a path and unproductive like rocks in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or unfruitful, one of the words says, like those. Like those weeds choking that plant. It all starts with our heart. It all starts with the soil of our heart of allowing the Holy Spirit to go, Lord, and we will, we'll, we'll do that in a minute when, when, when the worship team comes forward. We'll, we leave a time. The, the next time, the next section of our service is to do that, to say, Lord, what would you have me do? Are there, every time I spring up and then I die, what is it? And he says, it's these four rocks. They're just big boulders. You've got to get rid of them. They can't get down below that. Or we say, man, why do I, why do I, even when there's people fruitful all around me, I can't get this down. And I'll say, you know what? 
because you were trampled on by this or the enemy always steals it or what have you. Or, man, Lord, I, I, I go to church, I read my Bible, I, I, I talk to people, about, but there's no fruit in my life. There's nothing to show really for it. What is it? Oh, it's the cares and anxieties that are choking you. Right when you're ready to give, you go, ah, I better not. I got too, I got too many bills. I gotta. Right when you're ready to tithe, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That was kind of Old Testament. I don't know. I am unashamed about giving. I, I just, it just doesn't bother me to say it anymore. Tithe. Give above your tithes. You go, I can't. Those are rocks that need to be removed. Tithing is not a giving problem. Giving is not a giving problem. It's a spending problem. It's a money management problem. You say, but you don't know how much I make. It doesn't matter. God knows. Is he faithful or not? Okay, so I, I you know what? So that's what it is. Right? Soil takes a lot of work. I didn't realize this. I thought you just tilled the ground, but I did some research. And man, it takes a lot of work to prepare soil. Soil just by itself isn't just like ready to produce stuff. You got to do all sorts of tests on it. You got to find out what's in it first. It might be too sandy. It might have too much clay, right? The pH balance may be off. I didn't know any of this stuff before this week. Everyone should become a pastor. You learn a tremendous, it's like the Discovery Channel, right? (laughs) You got to put nitrogen and phosphorus and potassium in it and test it and do all this kind of stuff. You got to till it and aerate it and good night. Sometimes there's drainage problems. You think, well, nah, if it has more water, isn't that better? No, you have to know all this stuff. Tilling the soil is hard work, but what it produces is amazing. Just by one little seed of the word. Not, not just Tim, but I've heard other people go, you know, I read this verse. It changed my life. And I realized from then on, I was going to do this. And you're like, from that verse, you, you changed your whole life? Like, what, what was that all about? What it was all about was the soil in his heart was perfect. And when that verse got planted in there, bam, it just went crazy. So let's quickly, I want to very quickly go through this. It's, it's a relationship Lights on. There we go. Wow. I've never heard that from you before. I I tried to make this snazzy and come up with something. It's really hard to preach a sermon that Jesus preaches and then explains himself. Like, oh, well, everything's kind of been done for me. So I spent a lot of the week going, well, there's got to be something in there. But there really isn't. Jesus kind of told us what, what it was. All I'm doing is just stealing his sermon to be quite honest, but there's some soil. I want to look at a few verses real quickly. And again, these are on your outline. You can go through them uh, this week as you have your quiet time. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. If we forget that this is all about a relationship with God and having his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if we forget that, then we remove the Holy Spirit and we're just trying to just do what the Bible says. And gee, I don't know why it's not working. It's got to be a relationship with him. He's going to be the one. Now watch this. James talks about uh, tilling, the, the, tilling your ground. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so pre- prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. He says, go through, take tests of the soil. Is there too much acid in there? Is there too much phosphorus? Is there too much, what, what, too much nitrogen? What is it? Well, how come things aren't growing? 
Test it, test it, test it. 1 Corinthians 3, 6. Basically what Paul uh, says, he says, you guys are morons. This is before this. You can't see it here, but it's in the verses before. He says, you guys are morons. You're all caught up in, I, I follow Paul and I follow Apollos and I'm a, you know, this and that. And we do the same thing in the church. You know, we get so stuck on these different, you know, important doctrines, but we get too focused on them. And Paul says, you guys... You're, you're like little babies. You can't plan anything with you. You're immature, it says, right? In so many words. 1 Corinthians 3, 6. Look, is what he's saying. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. Listen, church, you are God's field. You are God's field. We talk about the kingdom of God advancing. It's going to advance in you. It's going to advance in me. Okay? It's going to be how, how my soil is tilled and how I humbly accept that word and plant it. And then God just goes, bam! Do you think for one minute that when Tim opened his life to God, and said, man, you know what? I can't believe it. I didn't know anything about the Bible. Do you think that it was just like, uh, you know, I'd like you to go to Ethiopia to be? No. He just accepted Christ and began to get into the Word. And all of a sudden, God just blew the doors off of it. Right? That's scary. Like when we look at this side, we go, ah! But when you see the process of God, it didn't start out like a big stock. It started out small. And God began to grow it. And I, I'm sure I'm not trying to speak for Tim, but I'm sure there were things like there are in my own life. No, you got to move this out of the way, move it out of the way. And he did. Uh, humbly, he moved those things out of the way. And then it started to grow and grow and grow and grow. That's our example, church, for us. Now, listen, you say, well, how do I know? I, how do I know what, what's, what's this fruit? What, what, how can I know there's abundance in my life? These are the tests you're going to do this week on yourself. But the fruit of the Spirit, the abundance of the kingdom, what is going to show when the Spirit has tilled the ground in your heart and has said, look, this is what I want to change, what, and the Word gets in, but here's what it's going to produce. It's going to produce love. It's going to produce joy, peace, patience. Are you impatient? I, you know, Lisa says that I come down on myself too much uh, from the pulpit. And so I'm going to brag about myself and then she'll see how disgusting that is and go, don't ever do that again. And then I can go back to my normal way. But I said, I don't know. I'm not talking about myself. She, she said, talk about your driving. I'm like, ah, you know, right? This patience is a place where the Lord has worked on my heart. I like don't get upset when I drive anymore. I had a whole, it, it gave me a whole bunch of examples during sermons, but now I don't really have them anymore. Because God has changed my heart in that. So that's something good. So next week, I'll give you a whole bunch of bad things about me. But that was something good. So uh, it, it feels incredibly gross. But there you go. Okay. <laughs> Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If there's no self-control in your life, if there is a concern or a care or something that's tearing you up, it's got to be removed. Now, listen, guys, understand this. If you're impatient, 
trying to be patient isn't going to work. Okay? I'm impatient. I got to, okay, I'm going to be more patient. I'm going to do whatever I can to be more patient. What's going to work is removing stones and things in your life so that the Spirit of God can bear fruit, and that fruit is going to result in patience. You see that? Self-control, same thing. 